I'm Earl Ellis with Ellis Farm in Comanche, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas. Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to bring you another edition of Texas Ag Today, this time from San Antonio, where we're attending the Beltwide Cotton Conferences. The Beltwide came back to Texas this year. Two years ago, it was held in Austin. Then last year, they had to take the year off because of COVID and have a virtual conference. So it's great to be back in person this year in San Antonio, where cotton professionals from every segment of the industry are here in Texas to talk anything and everything about cotton. We'll have more on the Beltwide Cotton Conferences to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When you're a farmer, there's a lot that goes into deciding what you want to plant. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear from one Texas High Plains farmer on the thought process behind his plans for the season ahead. Longer-lasting residuals in new technology to fight armyworms. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Beltwide Cotton Conferences have come back to Texas this year, being held here in San Antonio. Lauren Krugman is the conference coordinator with the National Cotton Council. The Beltwide is a conference that involves multiple different conferences running concurrently. Everything from agronomy, disease, engineering, ginning, sustainability is one of our newer conferences that that is in there. Uh, That has a lot of good topics this year as well. Um, And then we have our consultants conference, of course, that provides um, all of the hot topics for the year for the consultants. There are also business and affiliate meetings being held this week for various segments of the cotton industry, such as Cotton Incorporated and the Cotton Jenners Association. As Krugman mentioned, sustainability is a huge part of this year's conference. Gary Adams, president and CEO of the National Cotton Council, says it's an issue that continues to grow in importance. I think this is uh, actually about the third year that we've had a specific session at the Beltwide Cotton Conference on sustainability. And it's really gained in importance, I think, in terms of the initiatives and the work we're doing within the industry. It's a, uh, a message and a, and a story that we need to tell to the textile supply chain and to the consumer about the sustainability of U.S. cotton. We, we have a good story to tell, but it's one that we've got to get that uh, out there so that people understand how U.S. producers farm, how their cotton's produced, and know that it's produced in a responsible manner. And a big part of that is the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. Adam says the industry needs to get more growers involved in the Cotton Trust Protocol as end users have a growing need to source sustainably grown cotton. Controlling herbicide-resistant weeds is a growing challenge for cotton growers. Peter Dotre of Texas Tech spoke on that topic here at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences, and he told attendees that Palmer amaranth resistance continues to be one of the biggest problems. 
Uh, Palmer amaranth is native to the southwest, so as long as I've been in Lubbock, we've been dealing with uh, Palmer amaranth. For years, we had lots of uh, effective inputs that we could use that would keep that weed at bay. Unfortunately, I think partly based on sheer numbers uh, and over-reliance on given inputs or chemistries, we unfortunately are finding lots of weeds now, including the Palmer pigweed, that will resist an application of Roundup, that will resist an application of, of Liberty now we're starting to see in some of our other chemistries as well. Dotrade recommends farmers avoid any over-reliance on any given chemistry, but that will be a big challenge given the supply chain issues for weed control products. Army worms were a big problem in much of Texas last year. Tom Nicoletti looks at a new technology to fight this common pest. My guest today is Drake Copeland. He is technical service manager with FMC in 2021. Army worms, Drake, were certainly a problem in central Texas, east Texas, up on the rolling plains. Farmers having to scout for them and fight those worms. What are you folks doing in regards to fighting those army worms? First and foremost, when you're looking at fall army worm, it's really important to look at what your colleagues to the south are seeing. So there's actually entomologists in Texas that kind of reported that they were seeing them a month earlier than normal. That should have been a very good sign that, hey, it may be a problem further north than it has been in the past. And just to exploded across the Midwest. We saw it as far as Michigan. So a lot of different variables leading into why we saw them so far north, but it was the guys in Texas that warned us. So Drake, what's FMC doing technology-wise to fight the army worm? So in the past, we've really focused on using pyrethroids as a knockdown chemistry, but at FMC we do have newer technology, specifically diamide chemistries, and we have a product called Vanticore that we launched in 2021 that really took off. And the reason it's so important is you do get some activity from a knockdown standpoint, but it's really the residual that we get out of Vanticore that's lasting longer. So guys want to get the best bang for their buck, and if you've got a product that's doing work for you after you leave the field, that's one that really brings it home. When's the best time to apply? Obviously, you want to solve it before it becomes a huge issue, but once you start seeing egg lay or get word or you see any feeding, these pests move pretty quickly. They move through a generation within 28 days. Once you see the feeding, it's probably a good idea to go ahead and spray them. That is Drake Copeland with FMC. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. When you're a farmer, there's a lot that goes into what you plant. James Hunt talks with one Texas High Plains farmer to get his thoughts on his plans for the upcoming season. With planning underway for the 2022 season, Greg Glover says in his family's farming operation in the western panhandle, there will be less acres going to cotton this year. That might sound surprising considering the strong prices for cotton we're seeing, but Glover says the problem is the price tag on the input side of the equation. The cost of production has gone way up in the last eight months, you know, with mainly the chemicals and how much chemicals we use throughout the year. So with plans to cut back on cotton, Glover says most of this year's crop production on his family's farms will ultimately go toward the feed crops of corn and forage sorghum. The feed demand, obviously, out here, James, as you know, is really high between the dairies and feed yards. And with the way the corn price is and how dry it is, the silage price is that we've been offered are really good. But while that's a positive note, input pressures carry over to feed production as well, particularly with fertilizer. That's really our main concern in the last couple of weeks as we've kind of started handing out our acres and shifting and we have quite a bit of fertilizer booked, we thought, but now we're concerned, can we get it like anything else? 
right now. And something else that Glover and other area farmers need to get before planting time this spring is some moisture. As our dry spell continues to run longer and longer, Glover says the need to irrigate will rise even before seed actually goes into the ground. If things don't change, I think us and a lot of other people into February, early March, whenever we kind of start to get those windows that those nighttime temperatures aren't going to be in the mid-20s, I think there'll be quite a bit of guys pre-watering, and that's just That's just the situation we're in. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Conditions are dry in the north-central Texas big country. Tom Nicoletti visits with Dr. Shane McClellan to get an update from the Rolling Plains. For our next report, we go to Dr. Shane McClellan, who is normally reporting from Central Texas, but during the holidays, he was doing some traveling up to his his home base where he grew up in uh, Jones County, uh, the town of Avoca, in uh, that's north of Abilene. And uh, Shane, of course, a lot of agriculture in that part of the state, uh, considered the big country. Part of it's the Rolling Plains, but uh, very dry area at this point as uh, we enter the new year. Talk about uh, how dry it is and how that's. Uh, impacting uh, the crops out there, in particular the winter wheat? Well, of course, it's always drier out here than it is in Waco, McLennan County. They receive annually probably 15 to 20 inches less rain than we do, and it's it's dry even for this country. We're surprised to see some wheat notes that didn't come up because it hasn't received enough moisture, or some wheat notes that germinated came up and then died, and you see a lot of bare ground out in some wheat fields just because it's dry and just not enough available moisture. And because there is such a lack of precipitation and and the dryness out there, uh, as I understand, uh, there's not much when it comes to green pastures for livestock. And uh, for that matter, you're seeing uh, wildlife and feral hogs in abundance. Talk about that. It just all relates to not enough moisture to grow any kind of forage or grazing. Cattle are hitting the hay pretty hard, and the grass out here is stronger than our area. It just has more nutrients in it and slower growing. But even with that, you still want some green growth and just some protein, and not a lot of green growth out in those pastures right now, and not a lot of available grazing. So much so that you do see more white-tailed deer, feral hogs out in the day, when typically you wouldn't see them as, as active during the day. You see them more at night, and they're all just looking for something green. They're looking for some protein. They're hungry. As 2021 uh, was wrapping up towards the new year, so was the cotton harvest in that area of the state as well, correct? It is. Some people were waiting for a frost and uh, that didn't come, so then they sprayed and that kind of put them behind when they're waiting for that frost. Most cotton here in this area is out. Still some are in the field stripping, but gins are running from what I understand. Most of them are running one crew during the day, so they may be a little bit behind. See a lot of modules and bales out in the field. But I'm going to finish up today with my dad. We're going to be done. But most people are through wrapping up. And cotton out here is really deceiving. They did not get the uh, summer rains that we got there in Waco. And that's critical to make a good cotton crop. And the cotton here is better than you would expect it to be for it to be as dry as it did. You know, they didn't really get any rain at all June through now. So it's definitely a dry land crop. I'm really surprised at, at how good it's doing compared to ours when they didn't get any moisture from June till December. Shane, thanks for your report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan reporting for us today from the big country of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first sharelunker of the season has already been caught. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details on that in an upcoming fish webinar on Texas Ag Today. And most spring calving beef cows are now in the last trimester of gestation. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a spring calving cow herd, most of your cows are now in their last trimester of gestation. Dr. Bob Judd says this is an important time to check your nutrition. Dr. Christina Hayes with Purina indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that 75% of fetal growth occurs in the last trimester, and this is why nutritional demands are highest in the pregnant cow this time of year. To support the performance of cow and calf, these demands must be met. Fetal programming is the term used to determine how nutrition and environment affect the fetus while in the uterus, and it has been shown that fetal programming has a lifetime influence on growth, health, and reproductive success of the animal. During the last three months of pregnancy, there is a significant increase in nutritional needs for protein, energy, and vitamins and minerals, and it is important to meet those needs. As calving time approaches, the rapidly growing fetus goes through final lung development, critical to their preparation for breathing air. Once the calf is born, muscle fiber number is largely established for the rest of their life, and nutritional deficiencies at this time can reduce muscle fiber number and can impact calf growth, performance, feedlot efficiency, and carcass quality. Having good quality forage available is essential, but it is difficult to meet all nutritional requirements with forage alone during certain times of the year, like January and February. Most cows will need to be supplemented if calving during January and February. This is the reason to have your hay analyzed so you can determine the type and amount of supplement you will need for your cows. Even if your cows are calving later in March to May, the early spring grass is usually not enough to support these cows and supplementation may still be required. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The first share lunker of the season has already been caught here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. The 36th annual Toyota share lunker season kicked off just a few days ago, and a Texas angler has already reeled in a noteworthy largemouth bass. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Tyler Anderson caught this season's first sherlunker, a 14.48-pound largemouth bass on OHIV in the San Angelo area. Through the Toyota sherlunker program, anglers who catch a largemouth bass weighing 13 pounds or more may loan it to the program for selective spawning at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. The fingerlings spawned from these bass are later stocked in the lakes where the lunkers were caught, further improving bass fishing in Texas. Anglers can donate lunkers now through the end of March. They can also contribute catch and genetic data all year round on texassharelunker.com. That's texassharelunker.com. 
And speaking of fishing, Texas landowners who are interested in improving fishing on their land can now get a little help from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. The service is hosting a webinar on properly stocking fish ponds from 6 to 7 p.m. on January 18th. The webinar will discuss multiple stocking strategies for ponds smaller and larger than an acre. They'll also discuss the correct timing for stocking and the order for stocking fish. Cost is $35. You can register at agriliferegister.tamu.edu. That's agriliferegister.tamu.edu. Search basics of pond stocking. Again, that's 6 to 7 p.m. January 18th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market drifted mostly lower in Friday's trade to wrap up the week, but we finished higher in the cotton and grain markets. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market wrapped up the week mostly lower on Friday. We finished mixed on the live cattle market, lower on the feeder cattle trade. We'll start with live cattle where February dropped two cents, 137.32. The April down 40 at 142.05. June live cattle were up 12 cents to close at 137.70. January feeder cattle down 47 at 162.10. March feeders down 60 cents, 166.67. April feeders Feeder cattle down 20, 170.87. Cash fed cattle trade fairly light over the past week. We wrapped up the week with sales of 137 to 138 here in the south. That's steady to a dollar lower than the previous week. Up north, live prices range from 138 to 140. Dress sales at 219 to 220. Boxed beef Friday was higher. Choice up 275 at 271.31. Select up 201. 262.65. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to review a Wednesday sale in Caldwell, Texas. Carl Herman, how did your regular sale go? Oh, we had a good sale yesterday. Had over 600 head on a higher calf market for 111 consigners and 43 fire. We had 150 cows and bulls yesterday. 
slaughter cows 25 to 72, slaughter bulls 65 to 98, stocker cows 600 to 1100, and pairs 1000 to 1200. On the calf side, on the steers, two to three weight steers, 160 to 177, three to four weights, 160 to 195, four to five weights, 155 to 187, five to six weights, 150 to 177, six to seven weight steers, 140 to 153, and seven to eight weights, 110 to 121. On the heifer side, two three weights, 130 to 157. Three to four weight heifers brought 146 to 177. Four to five weights, 145 to 170. Five to six weight heifers, 135 to 157. Six to seven weights, 125 to 147. And the seven to eight weight heifers, 115 to 130. Uh, overall, had a good day. Had a lot of people that are going to sell next week to kind of waiting to see what the market did uh, uh, to start the year yesterday. And uh, we look for a good sale next week. Good deal. We'll touch base with you early next week and get a good idea of some of the uh, consignments that are coming. In the meantime, if folks want to consign something to you, Carl Herman, Caldwell Live Stock, how they get a hold of you? Just give me a call at 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. Printed Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Carl, thank you a bunch. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished sharply lower. The February dropped 330 to end the week at 79.65. April hogs down a dollar 92.87.35. Class three milk was lower. January milk down 12, 20, 29, 100 weight. February milk down three at 21.64. The cotton market closed slightly higher, taking back some of the big loss that we had on Thursday following that less than exciting export sales report. We got some bullish support on Friday from a strong Dow Jones and rising grain prices. Nearby March was up 40 points to close the week at 115.12. October cotton up 58.99.57. The December up 53.94.52 cents. The corn market had a mostly sideways trade, but we ended up closing lower. We got a lot of spillover support from a big run-up in the soy complex on Friday. Soybeans helping the nearby March corn gain three cents, six oh six and three quarters, while new crop September corn was up four and a quarter, five seventy-one and a half. Both hard and soft wheat finishing the week on a higher note. July Kansas City wheat up a nickel to close at seven seventy-five and a half. July Chicago wheat up eight and a quarter, closing at 757 a bushel. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 11 cents, 392. February crude oil down 36, 7910 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Friday afternoon. The Dow down four points, 36,231. The NASDAQ dropping 144 at 14,935. The S&P down 19 at 4,677. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.